This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and the Big Change Program. Before we get to today's interview, I've got to talk about the Big Change Program, which I run with Josh Lajani. Josh and I opened up the Big Change Program for the first time in August of 2016. We got 35 people to sign up, and we've been on an amazing roller coaster ride with them ever since. And some of the changes they have made and the inspirations they've become to themselves, to their families, to their communities is truly remarkable and heartwarming. And Josh and I are ready to take it bigger, to have a bigger impact, to play bigger, to reach more people. And so we're reopening the Big Change program for a new bobsled run starting in January 2017. If you aren't familiar with Josh, he is a former 420-pound, hard-drinking, hard-eating ex-high school football player from the Bayou of Louisiana who is now a competitive ultra-marathoner. He was just featured in on the cover of the December issue of Runner's World, so it's on newsstands now. You can go see his, his smiling face and his infectious energy on the cover of Runner's World. He is not a professional health educator. He's just been doing his thing, waking up at 3.30 in the morning to train so that he can run his two businesses, owning and managing a trailer park and running a private sewer company. Sometimes when I call him, he's in the middle of like pulling some nasty nasty stuff out of a drain or a pump motor. And in spite of his grueling schedule, he's become an informal mentor to thousands of people on social media. I couldn't believe how much time he spends responding to Instagram comments and Facebook private messages from people who are inspired by his story and want a little of his success to rub off on them. And now, thanks to his generosity of spirit and his fierce wisdom, and my experience with online education and behavioral psychology, we are taking it to the streets in an even bigger way. So we're inviting people to join us on a one-year journey to overcome behavioral challenges, to get to their ideal weight, and become the lean, healthy athletes we're all capable of becoming. If you want to read more about the program, go to bigchangeprogram.com. It's not open yet. You won't be able to sign up until you see the button, which will be next week, Thanksgiving week. But right now, just read about it, think about it. We'll be putting up some testimonials and sharing some people's stories. We're limiting it again to 60 people for this run because we still want to you know, work out the bugs and make sure everyone gets personalized one-on-one attention as needed. But this is going to be part of our effort to, to take this to the masses, to make health and wellness and a plant-based lifestyle and running and exercise and joyful movement the normal part of American life and not some tiny little fringe movement. So again, bigchangeprogram.com. If you are not getting my emails and so you won't know when it's open to sign up, we're expecting it to uh, fill up pretty quickly given Josh's newfound fame for, with Runner's World. If you're not on my email list, then on plantyourself.com, go find the place where you can give me your name and email and sign up and then you will be notified along with everybody else. Okay, now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Today's Plant Yourself podcast guests are Adam and Shoshana Chaim, and they are the hosts of the Most Excellent Plant Trainers podcast. If you like my podcast, you should definitely check theirs out. You can find it on iTunes at Plant Trainers and in the show notes for today's episode. So their journey of discovery and transformation is one that needs to be heard by everyone who may ever come into contact with the medical establishment. It's that much of a cautionary tale. Adam was always fit and good health, 
so he thought. He worked out, he played sports, he maintained a healthy weight. What more could possibly be required, right? Until one day, while watching TV, he experienced this sharp shooting pain across his chest. He thought he was going to have a heart attack. He's too young. He's got a one-year-old son. His wife is pregnant. Is he going to check out this early in life? A couple weeks later, he gets a call from the hospital asking out of the blue if he scheduled his oncology appointment yet. Oncology? What? What the? Isn't that cancer? So following the oncology examination, Adam was told he had a tumor on his left kidney that was probably cancerous, and he should have his entire kidney removed. So freaking out now, he goes for a second opinion and a third, and the second surgeon was more conservative. He said, well, let's just remove three quarters of the kidney. And the third one picked up the words, most likely cancerous, and said, well, why don't we find out for sure? Let's do a biopsy, you know, just for kicks. So it turns out it wasn't cancer. And that fact took a month for them to discover, thanks to the glacial pace of the Toronto Medicare system, a month in which Shoshana was becoming more and more pregnant. Can you get more pregnant? I'm not sure about the linguistics of that. But you can imagine the stress of not knowing and fearing the worst. So then came the phone call with the results, good news and bad news. Good news is not cancer. Bad news, it's possibly this rare genetic disorder, von Hippel-Lindau disease, which deposits tumors all along the central nervous system, and if you've got it, you're probably not going to live past 40. So Adam and Shoshana googled this, which turned out to be a huge mistake. They were scared out of their wits at the future that awaited them. And then a friend mentioned to Adam that actually there's an easy way to diagnose von Hippel-Lindau for certain, a simple retinal exam. Just someone's eyes, you can tell. And that exam, once conducted, showed no sign of a genetic disorder. More good news and bad news. The bad news here, it did reveal clear blockages of the arteries of the eyes, which was a sure sign of progressive cardiovascular disease. So you can imagine, after all these ups and downs, after being jerked around by the medical establishment that just wants to cut without evidence, that wants to diagnose a rare, life-ending genetic disease without doing the simple test that could confirm or deny it, Adam is fed up. He is doing his own research and he wants to heal himself without surgery or medications. So luckily, he stumbled upon the book Thrive by plant-based athlete Brendan Brazier, and so he lucked onto this life-giving path. Shoshana was dragged into the lifestyle, kicking and screaming a little bit. They navigated a divided fridge for a few years. Then she began her own transition, and I am thrilled to welcome them to the podcast today. So without further ado, Shoshana and Adam Chame, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thank you so much for having us. We're grateful that uh, we're here today to spread our message and tell our story. Thank you, Howard. Very yeah. excited for this opportunity. Yeah, well, you guys uh, spread your message pretty good on your own podcast. Let's, why don't we just start there? Tell us, uh, tell us about your podcast and about what you guys do. Great. Thanks. So we have the Plant Trainers podcast. We're coming up to our two-year mark, so we're very excited for that. And we're helping people improve their quality of life through nutrition and fitness, concentrating on the plant-based world and lifestyle. Gotcha. What, when, you know, before we got on the call, I told you like how I was going to start, and I just totally <laughs> got in a different direction. But we'll, we'll get there, I promise. But what, what made you start your podcast? 
Uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good question. I mean, we started listening to podcasts and it just seemed like a good medium for us to start sharing our thoughts and our messages. Um, and we, we started off just like that, actually. I mean, I wanted to do it. Shush didn't really think it was the right time for it. So we put it off for a year. And then one day she just came up and said, you know what, I'm ready to do a podcast. Let's do it. And we just started doing our own little podcast. And we probably had one listener, maybe none. Uh, <laughs> that probably went on for a while. But then we started getting some amazing guests onto our show and doing some interviews. And it's really grown quite a bit over the last year and a half. And uh, we had you on a couple of our episodes, which was great. And uh, so it's it's really grown into something that's been a lot of fun for us. And we've really connected with a lot of like-minded people through it, whether they're people on the show or just people listening to the show and giving us some feedback. So it's been a great experience so far. Yeah. I, I, sorry. Go ahead, Shoshana. I was going to say the feedback that we get is that we're very honest about our own life and our own stories. And people can relate to that in that way. So we do, we do have shows where it's just us talking, but then we go in and we interview the experts and we have, um, you know, amazing people on. And then we also always find a way to bring it back to the family because we find a lot of the podcasts out there in the plant-based world, you know, it's, it's about reversal. It's about bettering yourself as adults, but we want to make sure that we're giving families and children the skills to become awesome in their future and not have to do all the hard work later on start learning how to do it younger mm, that's beautiful um yeah i'm remembering you know my my early days of podcasting in which you know i had no equipment whatsoever except like a you know a little headphone and everything was on the computer and how grateful i was when people who like they had nothing to gain by just being on the phone with me for an hour for my listener or, or three would would take the time. I'm wondering if you have any, you know, special memories of like an early guest who was like really generous and allowed you to to make a quantum leap. I mean, we, we learned a lot from, I guess, Rich Roll and his podcast because it's huge. And he was awesome. He came on to our show with Julia's wife and we actually got together with them for dinner when they were here in Toronto one night. And we just learned so much from them directly. And I know his journey was a whole experience as far as podcasting goes as well. Uh, but picking up tips from him and from other guests that have just been on our show and just been so relaxed and just letting the conversations flow and, you know, not being too concerned about the numbers and just focusing on the content that you're putting out and sharing the stories. And you just learn from everybody that you speak to as we as we've gone on. But also having said that, I know when we had uh, Dr. Michael Greger on, I remember sitting in Florida and all of a sudden our numbers changed. Yeah. And that was in a pretty exciting moment, too. You know, there's so much gratitude, like for, for the small shows, for the beginning, just being able to help that one person. But then when you see the numbers go up and you know that you're reaching so many more people and they're going to benefit from it, that's huge, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think I'm. I'm ready to like encourage everyone to make a podcast, even if you only have like, you know, I was doing it for a year with like very few listeners, subscribers, maybe, maybe fewer than a hundred. And it had tremendous benefits for me, even if, even if nobody else was listening. I wonder if you guys feel the same way. I, I definitely do. I mean, having the opportunity to just speak into a microphone and not have to think about who's listening, just 
letting it get out of my body, you know, the words, the experience, the story that I have that we'll talk about shortly, just knowing that even if one person's listening, or even if I impact one person in a positive direction, that is all the difference to me. Yes. Yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm a woman, I have women, womanly energy, and I have my own, you know, private practice where I'm helping families overcome medical issues, use plant-based and holistic um, measures to get through life in an easy manner and really thrive through life. So for me, the podcast, if you're going to start your own podcast, I say know what you're getting into. You need to know what you're getting into. You need to have a big plan to begin with. And you could change that plan anytime, but just do some of the work before so that you don't get caught up in that hamster wheel because most of us who start podcasts have busy lives um, outside our podcast. So, you know, do, do your research first is kind of my advice. But I like that you're encouraging people to do it because everybody's got a story to share and everybody's got a different perspective on things. And why shouldn't they share it with the world? Yeah. Um, you know, it's def it's definitely been a humbling experience for me to realize like every time I've, you know, and I had the same experience with Rich Roll where I had had a, I guess you could call it a podcast, um, for about a year and like nobody knew about it and he interviewed me and he didn't realize that I had one cause I hadn't told, really told anyone. I was just like posting these interviews somewhere and he really encouraged me to, to step up my game. And that really took me from, like, you know, a couple hours here and there to a solid, you know, five to eight hours a week working on the podcast. And so, there's, you know, there's, there's definitely been a cost to it, but, the, you know, the benefits have been huge for me personally. And now as, as my numbers grow, they're starting to become more, you know, more useful for me professionally in terms of having a, uh, you know, a base of interested people who may want to buy some of the things that I'm selling. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you you've got you've got to give it time, and you've got to wait wait and see the numbers grow, and then with every little, you know, with with every number going up, with every listener who reaches out to you to say thank you, that gives you the energy and the stamina to to keep going and eventually, you know, hit it out of the ballpark. Yeah. So let's uh, let's get to your backstory. So um, did did you guys grow up? You know plant-based, athletic, into into health and fitness? So we did not grow up plant-based. Clearly, we grew up separately, got, <laughs> mar got married later on in life. But we both grew up, you know, in a in a house where we had we had meat, we had vegetables, we had grains, we had, you know, very nice round meals. We grew up in, you know, probably middle class, upper middle class homes. So we weren't deprived of, of anything in the, in the food area for sure. And we were both athletic in our own way. So I played every sport imaginable in high school and then moved on to becoming very into martial arts later on. And we had pretty healthy lifestyles. When I met Adam, he was a gym rat. Yeah, I was heavy into weight training at that point. Uh, I was playing a lot of hockey and volleyball and I was into team sports. Uh, and I thought I was in good shape. I was very fit. I was feeling good. And then that changed one day. Uh, I was very much sitting on the couch watching TV. And it was really odd. I had this pain running across my chest down my left arm. And it was not a feeling that I've ever had before. And it kind of spooked me a little. And I was the only one home. 
and it was a sharp shooting pain. And I thought, wow, I'm too young to be having a heart attack. What is this? This, this must be nothing. Uh, but it, it actually got a little bit worse and it scared me a little bit more. And I picked up the phone and called Shasha and I said, look, I'm going to go to the hospital just to get this checked. I don't want you to worry about it, but it's probably nothing. I'm just going to go get it checked. And I, I went, took myself to the emergency room and they, I waited there for a long time and they did some tests and some ultrasounds and they said they couldn't find anything and they sent me home. And roughly, and, how old were you at this point, if I could ask? Uh, this was about six years ago. So I, Russell, uh, Russell was one. Yeah, so Russell was one, and we had just found out that we were pregnant again with our daughter. Okay. Um, Russell's your son? Yeah, right, yes. Russell's our son. <laughs> and so this was, I would say, late 2009. So I was 35, maybe. 35, 36, okay. around there. Too, too young for a heart attack. Yeah, so yeah, and with one, yeah. one, one kid out and one on the way, the stakes are pretty high at this point. Yeah, and so they sent me home, but I two weeks later I got a phone call uh, from the doctor saying, uh, we need you to come in. Uh, did you schedule your appointment with your oncologist yet? And uh, I had no idea what they were talking about. That was like a complete shock to me. Um, so we went into the doctor and he said, yeah, you, the, the radiologist saw your, your uh, ultrasound and, or the technician saw your ultrasound and they found a tumor on your left kidney. And we don't know what it is, but it most likely is cancerous and we need to take it out immediately. And that kind of struck a chord. It was kind of awkward. You know, I'm not really the type of person that just wants to remove body parts unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm like, what do you what do you mean take it out? You take out the tumor, take out the like they literally wanted to take out my entire kidney just like that. At first, they thought that they could do it, um, you know, pretty easily. But then they realized where the posi- where the tumor was in in the kidney, it was like coming out of the kidney that they would have to remove about three quarters of, of the whole kidney. So I, I, I got a, a few different, I went to a few different doctors to, to get some other, other, uh, we, we needed more referrals. We yeah, needed to know needed what to other know. people had to say. I needed to know if this was really necessary. Uh, so I went to a few other doctors and all of them surgeons uh, the two of the three wanted to remove the entire kidney right away. Um, the third one, I actually went to one of the famous cancer hospitals in our city and he actually said, you know what, maybe we should do a biopsy first and see what it really is before we remove your kidney. And that kind of made me feel a little bit better. Wait a second. Uh, Wait, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. I know, right? Okay. <laughs> Like you're telling the story like it makes sense, but it doesn't make any any sense that the others were in such a rush to remove two thirds or a hundred percent of your kidney without knowing what the thing was. Yeah, they they see a tumor, and to them, they just wanted to remove it. And these were pretty well known surgical oncologists that I was going to. They basically said the chances of it turning malignant if it's not already are so high that we just need to take it out anyway. And based on the type of tumor that it was, they thought that it was associated with uh, VHL syndrome. You're jumping ahead. I, I am. not even there yet. 
We're not even there yet. All right, so uh, so, spo- so let's get back. Cliffhanger. Maybe we should yeah. we should do this in multiple parts. What will happen? What will happen next? Adam's tumor. <laughs> so we we went to uh, choose your own adventure. The, yeah, we went to do the biopsy, and that was not the most pleasant experience, uh, but it got it done. And for anyone who's had a, a biopsy done, they know what I'm talking about. Not the most comfortable thing, uh, but they had it done. But the worst part was that I couldn't get the results for a while. So it was like I was sitting there waiting and I think it took over a month or something to actually get a phone call back. And during that time, it was like, I don't know what's next. I don't know what's happening. I I know I have a tumor, but I don't know if it's cancer. I don't know if it's not. I don't know what's going on and nobody's telling me anything. And and And, these these well-respected surgical oncologists are telling you it doesn't matter what the results are. You got to get it out anyway. Right. Well, at this point, we've left those doctors behind and, and we've gone ahead with the other doctor. And what the other thing that you should know is that up here in Toronto, we have um, we have OHIP, we have a medi- we have a Medicare system. So you're not paying your doctor to get your your biopsy right away or to get your um, appointments right away. You're you're on a list and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. So as all of this is going on, I'm getting more and more pregnant. So um, yeah, we, we don't have to pay for everything medically, but you pay for it in terms of stress as you're waiting yeah, for it Yeah, that was a stressful happen. time. And, and so finally, we got a call from this doctor who checked out the biopsy and he says, you know, I have good news for you and I have bad news for you. What do you want first, <laughs> basically? Oh. And so uh, I wanted the good news. Uh, so he said, the good news is that your tumor is benign. You don't have cancer. And that was a huge sigh of relief, obviously. Uh, but then he say, he goes on to say, the bad news is you have this, you potentially have this very rare genetic disorder called von Hippel-Landau disease, which basically creates little tumors along your central nervous system. And it just deposits them everywhere until it takes over your body. And most people with this disease don't survive past the age of 40. And that just, I I sunk again. You know, I was all excited. I don't have the cancer, but now I have this potentially rare genetic disorder. And so what was the next step? I didn't know what to do next, right? Um, So I ended up calling a friend of mine who's a neurologist. And I said, have you ever heard of this thing? Because the first thing people do when they hear about something is they go right to Google. And they look it up. And that couldn't have been a bigger mistake because some of the things that you'll read, I mean, first of all, they may not apply to you. And second, who knows what's true and what's not on the Internet these days. But there's some scary stuff out there for certain things that you'll look up. So I looked it up and I probably shouldn't have. Uh, But my neurologist uh, doctor friend said that the easiest way to figure out if you actually have that disorder, the disease, is to get a retinal exam because through the retinal exam, they could see if it's really taking place in your body. It's a really easy way to test it. So I went to the optometrist. I had the retinal exam done. And she she said there's no sign of this genetic disorder. So again, relieved. However, she showed me the pictures and there was clear 
thickening of the arteries. arteries. They were they were actually not thickening, but they were becoming blocked. You could see how they're faded and they're not really dark red like they should be. And this is in the eye, in like the optic in the nerve? eye, in <laughs> the eye, yeah. And so she said, you know, this is looking like you're on the path towards some type of heart disease, and you may want to be getting that checked out. So I'm going from one thing to the other. And life at that time was very, very emotional for me. I mean, Shush was pregnant and we had one little kid already. And I couldn't imagine having my kids grow up without a father. And that that was something that really, it really bothered me. It still bothers me today when I think about it. It's very emotional. And so what I had started doing during this whole process was my own research you know, do I really need to remove a body part? Is there a way for me to heal myself in a way without going through medication, without having surgeries? And what can I do about this? Now that I see there's there's some problem in my eyes and I might potentially there's heart disease in my body, which I've now learned that everybody starts with heart disease somewhere around the age of 10 and it grows depending on how your lifestyle is uh, and affects people differently. But at that point, I was doing a bunch of research and learning about, I came across actually a book by Brendan Brazier, which was Thrive. And it was talking about a plant-based diet and the lifestyle that he lived was as a tri- was a triathlete, a professional triathlete, and how he did everything on a plant-based diet. And a lot now, of the things in his book really resonated with me and now, made a lot of sense. When you were reading... Thrive. Were you, you were looking at, at that for like lifestyle medical advice, or was that from your your days as an athlete? It's you know it's funny. I was looking at it from a medical medical perspective. Like <laughs> like that wouldn't be my in my I top hundred. I know that, but <laughs> but there was something about him. It's because he's he's an athlete, and I considered myself to be an athlete at the time, and I guess. I wanted to see what he was doing to be able to perform. And I know that doesn't make sense as far as medically, but this was one of the books that I came across that really resonated with me. And the lifestyle that he was living and the way he was eating and the way he was talking about the food and how we digest the food and how it impacts our body's performance, but also the environment, like everything just made a lot of sense to me. And I, I turned to, to Shush one day and I said, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to be plant-based. <laughs> well, I, I want to put a pin in that and, and kind of go, go back a little bit and explore some yeah. of the things that I'm just sort of curious about and shocked about. Because as, as you were just telling the story right now, I, I just thought, you know, I always um, give a title to each of my podcast episodes, like try to find a theme. And like what just came to me right now is like you ate your way – out of like this Kafka-esque medical nightmare, <laughs> right? When, when I think about like how I would want a doctor to behave. So first you have these doctors like rushing to judgment without even doing, you know, a basic test. Yep. And then you have another doctor who scares the shit out of you with, yeah. with an unfounded, like instead of saying, well, I have good news. It's not cancer. However, I don't, there's some things I'd like to rule out. Can we get a, a retinal exam? Oh, no. And it, it was straightforward, like I said it. And we were on speakerphone with my kid in the back seat. And everybody heard everything the way the doctor said it. Like, it was brutal. Like, I, I it was yeah. like, 
I couldn't believe he said it that way. Yeah, and like this is you know this is like most people don't go the route you go. They don't start doing their own research. They're so scared. They're so cowed and intimidated. They feel like their only hope is to listen to the doctor. And you can see how people can end up like, you know, someone else could easily have had their kidney out and then still somebody thinks they've got this, uh, this, this genetic disorder. And, you know, God knows what kind of experimental poisons they were going to put you on to try to reverse that because why not? I mean, you know, you 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 dodged you dodged some health bullets, but you dodged some more medical practice bullets. It sounds like, and and we had always trusted doctors before. There was no reason for us not to. We thought that we were pretty healthy. I mean, you know, we we ate you know we ate clean. We ate tuna, and we you know we I don't know like like we we ate lean meats. Um, but you know, we, we thought that we were healthy. We didn't eat McDonald's on a regular basis or anything like that. Um, but when we did go, we, we had fun, right? It was, it it was like a party, but we didn't think that we were unhealthy. When we had strep throat, we went to the doctor, we got medication when we had an ear infection, when we had a pain. Um, and now I'm realizing that I probably did not need to, I know I did not need to have any of those ear infections. I didn't need to have any of those strep throats. Had I known the research then, you know, changing your changing your lifestyle and trusting your own intuition and listening to your body and doing the research and understanding research is is key to the to ultimate health. Yeah, I try to avoid going to doctors now. I mean, there don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's amazing doctors out there doing amazing work. There are. And I know that their main purpose is to help people. But my personal experience with some of these doctors has not been a very positive one. And I am really not quick to go to a doctor. I mean, if I have a broken bone, then sure, I see the purpose. But for a lot of other things, I think we can manage a lot of our potential illnesses through our lifestyles. Not to say that anyone listening should listen to what I just said and not go to the doctor if they think they need to, because they should. But that's my my perspective on doctors at this point in my life. Yeah, and what I would what I would say, what I would add to that is, w- w- you're the one who's responsible for your health. Knowing that there are doctors out there who are so rushed that they're not going to take the time to to give you the full story. They're not going to tell you their uh, the options. They're not going to give you pros and cons. They're not going to give you choices. Um, they may be subtly or not so subtly driven by profit motive. You know, certainly surgical oncologists don't make money when you eat broccoli and brown rice. Um, it's not a question of do I, tr- you know, do I trust doctors or not? The question is, you know, what do I, what do I want from them? I, you know, they, they certainly can diagnose things that I can't diagnose. They have access to, to machines and tests and resources and knowledge that I don't have. But if I'm just if I'm just following them blindly, um, I could end up in a very bad place. And as opposed to, you know, tell me what my options are, tell me what the the pros and cons, what the risks and benefits, and help me figure out how to decide my next steps. Right. Absolutely, and I mean, I have um, 
I'm going to the doctor to make a physical. I'm just going to go to the office because it's easier. And it's not so much that I need the physical done. It's just that I want the lab work and I want to look at my lab work and make sure that all my numbers are where they're supposed to be. And if they're not, I'm going to tweak them. I, I know, you know, and um, not that I don't trust her opinion or anything like that. There's certain things, like you said, that that she can do that that I can't do. But at the same time, I've got to take responsible for my body and for my family's body and health because uh, we know ourselves the best and we're not under those time constraints that other doctors are to just, you know, get stuff done. Yeah. Okay. So, so back to our story, you, you <laughs> say to shush, um, I'm going plant-based. Yeah. So what happened, <laughs> what happened next? Tomorrow Do morning, you really want to know uh, what happened next? <laughs> tomorrow morning, I'm going plant-based. And she gave me this stare. First of all, what is plant-based kind of thing? And second, like, no, you're not. Well, okay. So you have to understand that our son had very severe eczema um, around the age one and a half to two. So he had very, very severe eczema. And we had found out that he was allergic to wheat. And he had a very strong immune response to it. So we had just become gluten-free. Adam and Russell had just started eating gluten-free. I was a new mom. I had spent um, about like five, six years of our marriage pretending I couldn't cook so that Adam could (laughs) cook all the time. So I didn't really know how to cook. And all of a sudden, I changed from cooking regular food to cooking gluten-free food. And now all of a sudden, I need to figure out what plant-based vegan food is. <laughs> so I wasn't very happy. <laughs> I, no. I wasn't. I was home with, you know, a newborn and, and a two-year-old, and I wasn't thrilled. Yeah, you weren't happy. And I, I was pretty adamant about doing it. I mean, I'm the kind of person that once I decide I'm doing something, it gets done. And so when I said to you, I'm going plant-based tomorrow, I meant it. And you tried to serve me, I think it was chicken that Friday night. Yeah, I said, give me two nights a week where you could have fish one night a week and chicken on Fridays. And Friday came around, I made the chicken, I put it in front of him. I don't even... I know he cut a piece. I don't even know if it made it into no. his mouth and he pushed the plate no, away and he wasn't going to do it. I, it was one of those situations where our fridge was divided in half and the food on the right side was my food and the food on the left was everybody else's. And that kind of went on for a while. Wow. Right? So, so this, that Friday night, was, that, was the chicken part of like a, a Sabbath meal? Yeah, you know, Jews, they eat their chicken on Friday night. Like, that's just the way it went. Right, I said, I'm, we're, we're Jewish, you're eating chicken on Friday. <laughs> right, like, I'm trying to picture, like, there's candles there. Yeah, there's candles. There's a, yeah, a gluten-free challah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah some, some grape juice, you know. So, so this is like like a little, a little plate of war zone in the middle of, like, the most peaceful meal of the week, right? Pretty much. Uh, I mean, we didn't make it into a war zone necessarily, but it was it was a bit of a struggle. Yeah, you know? we, we didn't fight over it. But what I can say is that Adam was really good about deciding what he needed to eat and either telling me what to make or making it himself. Mm-hmm. So we we work together on that. Um, that's just something that that we do. We're very good at working together. And it as overwhelming as it was for me, uh, he he played a part in it too. So it wasn't him just dictating what needed to happen next. And since I mean, I've learned that there's this situation where the fridge is divided 
between the family is very common amongst people. I mean, the feedback I've heard is that, yeah, I've been in that same situation and how did you deal with it kind of stuff. And so we've, we've helped a lot of people with that kind of same situation because it's not an easy thing to resolve. And definitely, if your partner is on the same page as you, it makes a world of difference and the support is so much easier. But Shush was not on board at that time. It's almost like I was the man in the situation because <laughs> all these people I talk to, it's their husband's not on board. Their husband needs yeah. their beef. Um, I was the husband for a while. Uh-huh. But, you know, I, I read this book and I read other books and I watched Forks Over Knives and, and all these things together, they just made a big impact on me. And Forks Over Knives, obviously a huge impactful documentary that really, again, resonated with me and pushed me in that direction a little bit more. And the next phase of it was, you know what, I'm not just changing my eating, I'm also going to change more of my lifestyle. And I started to back away from the team sports. And I started to try to follow what Brendan was doing, I guess, a little bit and get into some running. And I ran a marathon, I started running more. And uh, then I, I decided to sign up for this charity bike ride where we, you, you ride from, it's the ride to conquer cancer. You ride from Toronto to Niagara Falls. It's over 200 kilometers of biking. And I'd never biked before really. But I signed up for that because it kind of fell in line with how my lifestyle was going, which led me to, you know, now I ran a marathon. Now I'm doing this bike. Maybe I should try swimming and just do a triathlon. And the only problem with that aspect of my life was that I didn't really know how to swim at the time. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to hear that because that's kind of what's stopping me from considering a triathlon. Well, you know, I I honestly didn't know what I was getting myself into at the time. I, I was just reading about it and, you know, hearing about triathlons. But, you know, how hard could it be to swim, you know? I mean, but, you could swim to save your life. Like you were able yeah, to, I was to able float to, on top of yeah, water. Yeah, I've gone scuba diving before, but that's not really swimming. If you've done it, you know what I mean. So I, I went to the local community center pool and I looked at the lane and I said, ah, 25 meters, no big deal. You know, I could do 750 meters. That's a sprint triathlon. That's easy. And I got into the pool that first day and I started to swim. And I, I, nobody taught me how I just started to go, you know, front crawl as best I could. And before you knew it, I was done. And no, I was re- literally done. I was, I had to stop to breathe. And when I looked around myself, I realized that I wasn't even halfway down that one lap. Were, were you at least like putting your head in the water to breathe or? Well, I, I thought I was, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I wasn't even halfway and I was completely out of breath and I hadn't gotten anywhere. And I was like, how am I going to do this? I already registered for a triathlon and I'm a month away and I don't know how to swim. This is a bit of a problem. <laughs> And so I ended up going to the pool three or four times a week. And I I actually saw this incredible swimmer swimming and I couldn't believe it. And I turned over to him when he was done and I said to him, how do you swim so effortlessly and so well? And he he said to me very simply, he said, "I, I practice a lot. I'm consistent with my training and I'm patient. So those three words have stuck with me and I've written about it and I've talked about it on our podcast as well. But those three words are instrumental in my life now, practice, consistency, and patience. And that actually applies to anything we do in life. But that's what I applied to my swimming. 
And I never saw that guy again. I thanked him for his inspiration at the moment. But I, it's funny. I never saw him again after that. Boy, and I, you, you're yeah. more mature than I am. If, I, if <laughs> I'd heard that, I would have smiled politely and said, you know, thanks for nothing, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I want to know me, about the neck <laughs> angle. Yeah. Well, uh, to me, it, it made sense again. You know, like, I just got to practice. I'll do the best that I can. And I'm going to come three or four times a week because I know that that's how many times a week it takes for you to at least improve a little bit in your swim. And uh, I'll be patient. I'll just do the best that I can. And it'll happen for me. And I did that for the month. And and uh, I guess we're getting into the triathlon story. But the that first triathlon, I was so excited and so pumped. You know, I trained for a full month and I was so ready to swim. And it was the first time I'd ever gone into open water. It was the first time I'd ever worn a wetsuit, which two no-nos when it comes to racing. Nothing new on race day. Yeah. So, uh-huh. but I, and I got into the water, the gun went off and I took two strokes and then I got kicked in the face and my goggles shifted and they filled up and I panicked. And I ended up just trying to catch my breath. And I finished that entire 750 sprint on my back doing backstroke or whatever it looked like because I don't know how to do backstroke. I was just (laughs) trying to survive. Uh, So, But I did it. And I finished that race in the end. And it was a struggle, but I struggled through it. And since then, I've gone on to do more triathlons. And I did my first Ironman in Texas two years ago. And just last week, I did my second one in Louisville. So anybody who doesn't know how to swim, if you give it a chance and you work on it, you can get there. You know, you don't have to go to the Ironman stage, but you can get there. It's it's really something you just got to set your mind to and not give up on. And like those three words I said before, just practice, be consistent and be patient and you'll get there. So Shoshana, well, I'd like to hear some of this from your perspective now. So you're, you're kind of at, you know, at wit's end around another way to cook. Uh, you see that Adam is not going to give in. So it's, you know, to, to some extent you're going to do your best to, to help him, but you're not really bought in. So you're now the co-host of a plant-based podcast so well, not yet we, we weren't we weren't the we we were definitely nowhere near um so what happened podcasting yet yeah right I gave, right I so, gave, so something I, shifted i gave her the book that i read a bunch of them and i watched forks over knives with her and she still wouldn't have it until i introduced her to a book that i think really helped her out the book skinny bitch really helped Actually, hope I could say bitch, but um, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think you say it very well. <laughs> th- thank you. Um, you know, Rory Friedman and Kim Kim Barnuyan, they they really had a way of speaking to me as a girlfriend, and I was a motivated mom who was who wasn't feeling sexy, who had a lot of baby weight on her, and I wanted to go back to my athletic self and. That book really just spoke to me in a way that I needed to be spoken to at the time. And it was very different from the way that Adam needed to be spoken to. Uh. Um, You know, we all have, you know, whether you're an athlete or whether you're a woman or whether you're a man or whether you're coming at it from wanting to recover or wanting to lose weight, something needs to speak to you. Just like, you know, just like Adam was looking for medical advice, but he came 
for triathlon advice, like whatever it is that speaks to you works. So I began to read that book. I think I read it twice and I made a plan for myself. So Adam's very black and white. It's overnight. For me, I needed a plan and I started to slowly transition foods out, slowly transition new foods in. Um, I worked in a school at the time. I was a kindergarten teacher and every Friday was pizza day and I wasn't ready to give up that pizza. So at the very end, it was I had given up everything except for one slice of pizza on a Friday and I did what I needed to do to get there, but I needed to learn in my own time. And had he pressured me um, and had he continued to just come at it from the same angle with me all the time, which wasn't an angle that was going to be of interest to me then, uh, I don't know what would have happened, what direction I would have gone in. I really needed to find it in my own time and and play with it my own way. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that after... You know, being invited to, you know, watch Forks Over Knives and maybe read the China Study and read Thrive. I'm surprised that you were willing to open another book. Well, here's the here's the part that we left out because at that time I was also going to the hospital every three months to get an ultrasound done on the tumor to check it to see what's happening with it to make sure that it's not growing and. I had done that for a year, and I think it took about a year for Shush to actually start becoming plant-based. And over the course of that year, there wasn't much change. The tumor was still there. And at the end of the year, you know, he said, you know what, not much is changing. Uh, we'll still continue with the three-month checkups. And then probably six months later, I came in, and he said, you know, something weird is going on. And I don't really have an explanation for it, but the tumor's not growing any any at all. But in fact, it looks like it might be shrinking a little bit. And that was pretty impressive stuff. And so what I did was I went over to the ophthalmologist again to get another retinal exam. And when she looked in my eyes, she said, something's weird because your arteries are now a brighter red and they're thickened, they're, they're widening up again. So whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. And when those results were shared with Shush, I think that in combination with the book, seeing the actual physical results happening in my body and reading that book, I think in combination, uh, she kind of realized that Maybe this is something that she needs to look at a little more detailed. Huh. I thought that, that like, like the the book is adjuvant therapy to the to the test results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it all kind of happened. It all kind of happened together. But again, you know, I, I totally um, forks over knives is very powerful powerful for me now. But it wasn't as powerful for me the first time I saw it because I couldn't relate to it like one of the patients there. I didn't have high blood pressure. I didn't have high cholesterol. I wasn't obese. I wasn't diabetic. So although I got it, I didn't I wasn't able to internalize it. So internalizing with Adam, who's my my husband, the, the father of my children, and seeing how things have changed in his body and then hearing it from these like beautiful women who I I, I'm not like a magazine girl. I don't look up to that, but like they're doing it for their own health and their skin is great and their hair is great and they feel great and they look great in their clothes. That was something like putting that all together was, was powerful for me. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but again, you know, um, just 
the the funny thing is always how the doctors react. Like, I I don't get it, but somehow it's shrinking, and <laughs> yeah. I I don't yeah. I don't know why, but wow, look at the color in your arteries now. Like it, yeah. it's the pictures are crazy. And, and so what did I do? I mean, I started eating plant-based and I started running, biking and swimming. And that's really all I did. I mean, I was still fit. I was fit before, but I really changed the way I eat. And the food that went into my body was no longer really seen as food. It was more as fuel and I, all the benefits that go along with it, other than the shrinking of the tumor and the arteries getting brighter red, which are fantastic. But I also found that my recovery got faster, just like Brandon Brazier said in his book, your recovery improves and you're able to work out sooner and faster and harder. And my life just took a turn and everything started feeling good and I started to enjoy the running and I was getting faster and I was doing better at everything I was doing. My mind was more clear. You know, all the benefits that we all talk about, it was actually happening to me. Yeah. And then for me, he was getting better and I took a turn for the worse. So um I wasn't completely plant-based yet. I had experienced postpartum depression with both of my children. And then I didn't know at the time, but I started suffering from PTSD um, because of the trauma that I went through um, being pregnant and thinking that I was going to raise two children alone, not knowing if my daughter would ever meet her her father. Um, I, I went through fits of rage, um, like crazy, crazy outbreaks. Of, of just emotions that I'd never had before while I was pregnant. And then I, you know, everything was fine. And then all of a sudden I got hit in the face with extreme depression and anxiety to the point where I wasn't going to work. I was coming downstairs eating with the kids and then going back to bed again. Um, so we had fixed one problem and then all of a sudden we had this other problem to deal with. Um, so mm you know, once again, when I became a very clean eater, when I, you know, became completely plant-based, but not the Oreo cookie junkie and, and things like that, um, I really found the connection between my mind, my ability to use the techniques and strategies that I've learned for dealing with depression and anxiety. And when I eat well, I'm able to manage that so much better. So lots of people say they suffer with PTSD. I like to say I thrive with PTSD because mm. um, I know what it takes for me to be at my very best physically and emotionally. Um, and food and lifestyle plays a huge part in that for me as well. Wow. I, can, I can't even imagine. I mean, it's hard enough for people to change their diets and adopt new habits and give up things when they're fine emotionally and mentally. Mm -hmm. What? How did? You, how did you manage to like carry that double load of the anxiety, the depression, the rage, and like habit change? I I don't think I carried it. I, I don't I don't think I managed it very well. It took a long time to find that balance. You know that I that I talk about now, but. I, I was not managing at all there. I needed to call and it, it, in my a type personality, it's not easy for me to ask for help, but I, I don't even think I asked for help. I just let it happen because I, I had no choice. 
I had no choice. I was not functioning. And, and, you know, that was something like, yeah, we all have our sad moments. We have our angry moments. We all think we need a, to see a psychiatrist or psychologist from time to time. Or I, I hope everybody else feels that way. Cause I had felt like that a few times in my life, but, um, that, that this was complete helplessness. Like I was not, I was not able to get through a day unless I was just lying in bed. So I didn't handle it. I, I don't even, I think I blocked a lot out. I don't even know. Yeah, it got pretty bad at some points. I mean, you were in bed all day. You you didn't want to see anybody. It was dark and you, you, were on medica- you went on medication and it was a process. It was a process to get through. And I, I mean, sometimes I think you still have to work through it. You know, it, it still comes up once oh, in a while. Oh, there's definitely hard days still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there's no question that the lifestyle and the food that we now consume has really helped us get to where we are right now. And it's made a huge difference for both of us in our own ways. Mm. Wow. And I mean, we, we weren't, you know, we weren't a family who looked like we were in crisis. You know, when we went to the doctors, there were no red flags. When we, you know, when we walked down the street, nobody said, you know, like like nobody would think that there was anything wrong with us because we were active. We thought we ate healthy. You know, we ate a a good quality of the standard American diet, if there's such thing. Um, you know, we 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 were active. We were happy. We lived a good life. And um, you know, it, it kind of goes to show just because you're let's just because you're overweight, it doesn't mean that you are necessarily going to have a life of illness. But just because you're skinny it doesn't mean that you're in a bill of good health and that anything is guaranteed. And having gone through what we went through, if I could have made changes earlier in my life, I I would have made them just to be able to avoid all this trauma that we've been through. Mm. And that's why, like, that's why I said at the beginning, it's not just about for us taking people who are sick and reversing their illnesses or, or helping them to change their diet so that they can, thrive. It's about allowing them to pass that down onto other members of their family, especially the younger generations, so that they don't have to spend the better part of their life dealing. Life is hard enough as it is. Like if, if you if you could eliminate, you know, three quarters of the illness that that's potential for you to get, why wouldn't you want to do that? Like we need to help these younger generations have good habits and have an understanding of the research. Yeah, that's that's so hard to do from a, from a marketing perspective, though, because uh, you know, forks over knives speaks to people who are in their fifties and sixties, or forties or fifties and sixties with heart disease or obesity or diabetes, and they know they need to change. Like, how do you talk to parents of healthy seven-year-olds or fifteen-year-olds, or how do you talk to twenty-three-year-olds who are immortal? So a lot of the people that I end up speaking to, you know, they're either coming into our, our Facebook groups or um, I'm finding them through referrals. And the the husbands have very high cholesterol. The women have high blood pressure. Um, their, their parents, you know, uh, one woman I spoke to the other day, her mom and her sister both had heart attacks and her father died of an aneurysm. So although she is in relatively good shape, She's now that all of this has happened, she's worried about, you know, what will happen to me in the next 20 years? What will happen to my, you know, teenage daughters in in the next 20 years? And people are starting to 
do a bit of research. And because it's so accessible now, I mean, 10 years ago, there was, if you opened up the internet, you couldn't find what you could find today. Um, but it, it's out there and, and the message is getting there and, and people are starting to realize in their 30s and 40s instead of just understanding in their 50s and 60s. And then we're getting a hold of those younger generations because when parents make changes in the house, children are exposed to that as well. It's funny, as soon as I asked the question and started listening to you, what came to me is, like, <clears throat> my question is utter BS, because, like, look at the parents of, like, four-year-old girls who had them genetically tested and discovered that they have one of the BRCA genes for breast cancer. They're considering, you know, as soon as their daughters be go through puberty, they're having their breasts cut off. <laughs> like, oh, God. you know, oh, like, God. We, we, you know, if we think there's a threat... We'll do anything to protect our kids and save them from from pain and suffering and and untimely death. But like we don't. We in don't... some cases, food is too extreme. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, I deal with high school students all the time, and I I've shared my story with a lot of them, and I've introduced them to forks over knives and different documentaries and books and. Several of them are really interested, genuinely interested in improving their quality of life and changing their lifestyle. But they get caught up in this aspect of, as you said before, that they're invincible and they're high school. And it doesn't really matter what they do now because their body can handle it. And it's actually not true. We need to start doing this at a younger age. And I find that more people are open to change. It's just there's still that social stigma or the environment around us that's not allowing us to do that mainly because of marketing, I guess, and what you see on TV and the commercials and the pros, what they're doing and eating and drinking. And it's, it's a conflict for them. And as much as I want to help them, it's really hard to get them to change if they don't want to change. And that's the biggest barrier that I think people face is that they need to want to make changes before they're actually going to be able to do it. And unfortunately, in life, most of us wait until something happens to us before we make the change, much like I did. You know, we need something tragic to happen to us or to a loved one before we actually make a shift in our own lives. And if there's a way to get people to start making that change before something goes wrong, then that's gold right there. And, and we need to figure out how to do that. But that's a huge challenge. Mm. So at a certain point, you guys have you know stabilized your lives, you got better. Um, and now you're, you're raising two plant based kids. Two plant-based kids. Um, I took my time transitioning them as well. So I took my time to transition and then started to transition them. And it, it's really amazing how we think that children just want to eat junk food and just, you know, want to eat what tastes good. But children are really in tune to what's happening in the household and what's happening with their parents. And I remember offering my son some chicken uh, my daughter had no problem taking it at the time. She was a little bit younger and they're different personalities. But um, my son turned and said, Mom, stop giving me chicken. I don't want chicken. I want to be more vegan like you and dad. And it was like, whoa, this five-year-old out of nowhere is like 
telling me that he wants to be more like us and sees the difference and uh, has, you know, so like that's just amazing in itself. And then I, I needed to do enough research on my own to make sure that, that this was okay. Because like I said, all the research out there is all adult related and I really needed to, you know, do dive really, really deep into children to make sure that I was giving them enough because the standard American diet can be dangerous in a lot of ways. And as we've talked about on, on some of our shows, it, if you leave out some of the really important things from a plant-based diet, that, you know, that can have negative effects as well. So, you know, vitamin D, B12, um, all these other things that I need, I needed to make sure that they were getting what they were getting. And once I, once I did that, once we, you know, went through certain certifications and all those kinds of things, I was able to speed them up a little bit more. But changing their tastes and getting them to explore new foods was something that was exciting and fun for me as well. Mm. So then, the do- then, of course, the doctor, you know, hears that our kids are plant-based and, and they're like, well, why are you doing that to your kids? And, and he's like, I'm more from the paleo camp. Yeah, And um, <laughs> so I actually had my son's blood tested um, six or eight months ago and we went in to get the results and he turned to me and he's like, so this plant-based diet, it looks like it's, you know, working for you better than I thought it was because all of his numbers were, were spot on and the, the doctor was quite impressed. He's like, I'm going to go back and check some of those articles that I was reading and it, it gets their mind going. So for all of those plant-based families out there, um, you know, make sure that you that that your doctors go back and see how healthy your children really are and ask them to explore more about it. Because I know there's been a lot of cases where doctors have learned from their patients and are able to help other children in that way as well. Yeah. And I was thinking about uh, something I didn't pick up on when the uh, the eye doctor was saying, you know, to Adam, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. But it didn't sound like she followed up with, and what exactly are you doing it? And how can I teach my patients to do it too? No, she didn't really ask much about it. I mean, I told her what I was doing. I was eating plant-based and I was getting more into triathlon basically. But she was like, oh, okay, good. But you also, you didn't have a relationship with her in any way. She was just a doctor that you saw twice. Um, Right. But I would yeah. think that if you see a dramatic change like that, you'd want to know a little bit, like, how did that happen? You know, like as, you're on billing minutes, I you guess. just need to take the next patient. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been back since. And uh, my tumor checkups changed from uh, three months to six months, then to a year, then to two years. And I've been cleared not to go back uh, other than just casually checking the ultrasound every few years if I even want to. So right now I'm feeling great. I'm living life to its fullest. I appreciate every day. I'm so grateful for as much as this sounds weird. I'm grateful for everything that has happened over the last seven years as as painful, as stressful, as emotional as it's been. It's brought me to where I am today. And I'm really grateful for all of that experience and all the connections that I'm now making because of it. Hmm. Yeah, ain't, ain't that the truth? That the, the things I look back on in my life that at the time I, I wished fervently weren't happening are the ones that have made me who I am. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and and that's what helps. And and our stories is what helps influence other people to 
take a good look at their life, at what they want from their life, and to be able to make their changes as well. Yeah, yeah, the stories are are, are everything. It's uh, Josh Lajani and I were talking about this that you know s- stories are as much of what humans need to eat as as plants. It's a it's a it's an important nutrient, and if we don't get good stories, then we will settle for junk stories. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so you guys, you know, got better, figured out your own family, figured out how to raise your kids, how to talk to them, how to navigate this stuff. And so now let's, you know, going full circle back to your, to your podcast, to your practice, to your blog. When did you, like you said, uh, Shoshana was like, I'm not ready. What, what made you ready? What made you say, okay, let's go share our story. So for me, I needed to be more grounded. Um, At the time where he first brought it up, I think I was still experiencing too much depression and anxiety to take on new tasks in life. And I think that a very important lesson that I've learned, because I was always a yes, ma'am, I could handle that no problem. Mm -hmm. I, I had always said yes to everything. And I had found power in saying no. And I wasn't ready. And had we taken it on at that point, I don't know what that would have done for me um, emotionally. And I don't know what that would have done for the podcast, because had I not been able to keep up with it, then it would have just disappeared. So waiting, you know, I'm not saying wait for the right moment, because sometimes when things make us feel uncomfortable, that's the exact time that we need to do it. But because there was physical and mental illness involved, I needed to wait. And when things kind of calmed down, we had looked at different priorities in our life and I decided not to work full-time as a teacher, as an elementary teacher anymore. And I had taken a part-time job. I was only working a couple of, of days a week and I was starting to, you know, get my education in nutrition, really wanting to help other. I'd always been helping other families with nutrition, with behavior, with, with, learning with education with all these other things by being a teacher and especially kindergarten and phys ed teacher but um i needed more i needed the ability to help outside of the classroom outside of the walls of an institution and outside of a curriculum that was um being given to a government that i didn't trust to make good decisions for my family anymore so um you know I started to to say I'm ready to to help other people. I'm ready to help other families. And because I had cut back on the amount of hours I was spending in the classroom, I, I was able to give to the podcast at that time. Mm. Wow! And it goes back to you know what we were saying earlier about uh, you know all the th- all the great resources that Adam shared with you that didn't speak to you, and this one did, and. <laughs> And that each, you know, that each of us, even, you know, like even if you have a, you start a podcast of, and 20 people listen to it, like, you know, if you could get 20 people to come to your home every week and listen to you talk for an hour and, and share, like you'd do it, you'd be like, oh, this is awesome. But like in the podcast world, we think we need these crazy inflated numbers and we need to, you know, get sponsors and, and uh, have all these metrics. But, you know, for you guys to go out there and start very idiosyncratically and you know i'm sure you're you know from hearing your story your message while the same is completely different from mine or rich rolls or michael gregor's or anybody else's and like this the importance of all of us sharing our stories it's like you know it's another way of like doing potluck 
of, of, of sharing, sharing nutrients together. Yeah, the potluck of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name. The potluck yeah. podcast? I, I know. I wait. I, I got the copyright on that one. <laughs> okay, well, I'll race you for the URL. I'm going to, I'm going to name Chief right now. <laughs> the beautiful thing is that all these different stories, they resonate with somebody. And it's going to impact somebody differently than someone else. And the more stories that we share, like you said before, it's just we're going to reach more people and have an impact more globally. And I think that if one story, whether it's mine or yours or anyone else's, has an impact on one person's life, then that was a story worth sharing. So everybody who has everyone has a story and everybody should when they're ready, be ready to share it because it's going to have an impact on somebody else in some way. Yep. And anyone who's listening who feels like you don't have a story, you do. You're just at your first chapter. That's it. Right? All you got to do is accept the call to adventure and go, go, you know, frigging drown in a pool for 40 yards <laughs> <laughs> and, and, then, and, just, and then talk to the, uh, you know, to the, to the wise, mysterious mentor next to you whom you never, ever see again who gives you the secret to life. Yeah. And it's amazing because that that guy I never saw again. But then a couple of years later, after I did Ironman Texas, I was swimming in the pool. And it's really this is like freaky, like movie kind of thing. There was this girl who was standing at the wall and I had finished my swim and she asked me the exact same question. Ooh. She said, how, I was really eerie and I'm not making this up. But she said, how do you swim so well? And I just passed on that same information, those three words, and I, I just told her to stick with it. And, and she it was probably really, said, that's a bunch of woo. Yeah, she <laughs> might have. She might have, or she's now swimming like a fish. I don't know. Yeah. But it was it was eerie. It was it, it actually that really did happen. It was cool. And coming back to the stories for a minute, if anybody out there who has connected with somebody's story on a podcast, and I'm not saying my podcast or your podcast, any podcast. It's it's sometimes very um, you're very alone behind the microphone, although you might have, you know, a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand downloads a month. You're still sitting alone in your room or with your co-host um, recording. And just to get those little messages, you know, the whether whether they're big podcasts or small podcasts to get those little messages saying, hey, I connected with your story. Um, that's so meaningful. And I know I like to turn those around and somehow bring them into the podcast some way. But just just to give that vote of confidence to know that that we're connecting with people. Um, it's just so powerful, and I'm always so grateful when I get those little messages in my inbox. Amen, amen. I, I, I don't want to be whiny, but I will say to my listeners, I love those, and I, I want a lot more. So if you're, if you're thinking that I'm too busy or, or distracted or focused on other things to, to really take in if this podcast helps you, I am not. I, I live for that. That is my, uh, that is my yeah. d dessert. I think if we didn't really care about the listeners, it wouldn't be worth the, the sweat that, that we put into, you know, showing up every week, getting it recorded, getting those guests on, doing the editing. Like it, it's, it's not as much as it is healing for us to do it. It's really about knowing that we're helping other people. So, so they should, they should feel like they can reach out for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm remembering there was like some uh, scandal and like TV in the 60s or something. Some like t beloved TV clown 
thought the, the camera was off and he said, well, that takes care of the little bastards for today. <laughs> <laughs> like that's not how we podcast. No. Yeah. No, sure. especially not in this, in this field. Yeah. So how can folks find out more about you, follow you, learn from you and stay in touch? One of the easiest ways to get in touch with us is through our Facebook group. So we run healthy plant-based families and plant-based health, nutrition, and fitness. And once you're in there, you kind of know everything that's going on with us. Emailing us at info at or visiting our website and signing up for our newsletter or subscribing to the podcast at planttrainers.com is really the easiest ways to to get in touch with us. Okay. I didn't type that fast enough, so you'll send me an email, and I will, I, will, I will share those links in the show notes for today, which is episode, I don't know what number, but in a few minutes when I come on to record sometime mm-hmm. in the future, I will give you the exact um, URL so you can find it and stay in touch. So, Sounds great. Shoshana and Adam Chaim, I'm, I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm so, you know, you're... you're your story in some ways is typical and in most ways is is completely unique and you're you're reaching a demographic that so needs this message and has so much potential to pass it on you know young young parents of of very young children and as as they uh you know go go through those really really formative years and you guys are a, a real inspiration to me and adam you have inspired me to learn how to swim so i I could at least, uh, if I, I'm still scared of bicycles, but at least maybe I can do a biathlon. So you, yeah. you've just passed that on. And, and Shoshana, your, your courage in, in, in coming out of those depths, uh, fighting and, uh, and advocating for, for people everywhere. So thank you guys so much for taking the time. Uh, thank you for giving us this opportunity to share our story. And as always, it's great talking to you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, you guys. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. For more information about the Big Change Program, visit bigchangeprogram.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episodes with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 184. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 183 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast but not my weekly email newsletter, get the over to plantyourself.com and sign up. Big thanks to Plant Yourself podcast patrons Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Morrow, Elizabeth Clifton, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherly, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Behrens, Christine Nielsen, Tina Scharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Vilkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Landry, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, and Sarah Durkis rhymes with circus for your generous support of the podcast. Thanks also to Will Reidenauer for allowing me to use his beautiful song, Sabali Don, Dance of Peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willreidenauer.com. If you'd like to support the show, in addition to writing a review on iTunes, you can share this and other episodes on social media. You can become a patron by pledging a one-time amount or ongoing gift to the podcast over at plantyourself.com. This was a really good month for the podcast in terms of getting new patrons to help support the efforts of the show. I'm almost ready to get a, uh, a, a Furman, uh, I'm not even sure what the thing is, not, not Joel Furman, the doctor, but uh, Furman, the electronics manufacturer, some sort of uh, 
electricity conditioner that's supposed to cut down on hum and buzz and will give me a, a cleaner, better sound. In garden news, we are having a bok choy and mustard green festival pretty much every night. And we're now having to go out in the evening and uh, cover up, tuck them in, put the row covers on, and put bricks down. So uh, we're back to uh, maximal effort to keep our, our greens coming. In running news, um, I did a little math on my goal of a three-hour, 30-minute marathon, and I was like, holy cow, that's, that's going to be 26 miles at a pace that right now feels a little bit challenging even to run one mile. So uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this by March, but uh, I'm working at it every single day. All right, that's it for this episode. So as always, be well, my friends. Thank you.